This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to episode 167 of the multi-award-winning Fight Disciples podcast. If this is the first time you've ever come across us, we're available on all social medias at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can get us via iTunes as well. Uh, our website is fightdisciples.com if you want more information, more videos, more content. Uh, whether it be boxing, whether it be UFC, it's all up there for you to have a little bit of a nosy. Lots to get through uh, on today's show. Including... You can also get us live on a radio on a Saturday night at the moment as well. All right. Just thought, you know, you just thought throw that one in there too in case anyone's uh, spare part on a Saturday. Yeah, but that's nothing. That's not a Fight Disciples product, you see. This is a Fight Disciples product, Nick. I'm pushing, I'm, I'm pushing people towards our own product. Why are you trying to make somebody else some money, right? <laughs> I'm just in it for the business. I'm in it for the show, not the business, should I say. Is that what it is? That's it. He's in it for the ears. Uh, you can get us on the radio, by the way, in the UK, 10pm Saturday nights at this moment in time, uh, talking all things boxing and a little bit of UFC as we were doing at the weekend. Now, there's two episodes available for you today. This one, which is all boxing related, and there's uh, a UFC one as well, which will be in your feed. Go and have a little bit of a nosy. We're going to celebrate the best welterweight on the planet. He's going to argue with me, saying that he's not the best welterweight <laughs> on the planet. We'll go back and forth a little bit, and then everybody will conclude that I'm correct. Anyway, that's coming up a little bit later on in the show. First of all, though, just want to talk about me and Nick having a bit of a night out last week. Oh, yes, we did. Oh, God, yeah. This is brilliant, right? Uh, so, as he just said, we do uh, a radio show on a Saturday night, but I was doing a radio show in London uh, last week. Thursday night, I'm in town. He's in town, catching up with a couple of his UFC pals. Mm -hmm. Rocks on up. We has a little bit of a drinky poos. His plan was to go back up north to sleep in his own bed in Liverpool. All right. That's right. And we left at a respectable time, didn't we, Nick? It must have been, what, 20 past nine, 25 past nine? Uh, yeah, it was, around, it was around about half past nine. Seeing as that, we, um, seeing as that we'd been out together since about two o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> about half past nine. Yeah, reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who knew that uh, there were no trains running from London, Houston, back who to uh, Liverpool, Lime well, Street? Well, shall I tell you who knew? Apparently my wife knew Did when she? I phoned her at half, a quarter to ten to say... You're not going to believe this, but I've only got to miss the last train. How did she know that? I didn't even know, and I'm on the train every single day of the week. Well, she made it her business to know, Adam. Right. That's all you need to know. She made it her business to know, yeah. She wasn't happy. Mm. And now, it's, bear in, bear it's in now mind. Monday, and I'm still in the dog, oh, yeah. doghouse. Absolutely. Bear, bear in mind, we were uh, just going out for a bite to eat, and one or two. One or two. Nick fell in love with Camden Hell Lager. <laughs> Decided to just keep them going. The Camden Hells is nice though. It does go yeah, down. Yeah, you kept them going. Like the Amber Nectar, Honestly, man. I've never seen you so uh, generous with the uh, with the rounds. You were going, you're going crazy <laughs> for it. I'm not taking full advantage of this. This ain't going to happen again. Let's get on there. Guess <laughs> about half nine. I thought that you were going to go on your way. You check your little app on your phone, mate. I don't think there's a train bike. Don't think I can get home here. So I start pissing myself as you do. And then the conversation that then um, uh, construed between him and his wife was one of those that you've just got to step to the side a little bit and let him get on. <laughs> you did as well. I did we want to walk even... through London. Yeah. You were like 10 steps ahead, just like, I don't need to eavesdrop on Nick, uh, you know. Mm. So I, I got out the way, let you crack on, let you deal with that situation. And then uh, you basically slept on my studio floor whilst I did a radio show. And then you went Pretty on the much. morning after, didn't you? <laughs> Pretty much. Got the half past five train. There you go. Rock and roll, sunshine. That's I stepped it. out of the way that conversation, by the way, because obviously uh, all both of our wives... And we are together at the weekend coming. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to. I don't want to be involved in that situation because I know for a full well it will right, happen this weekend. Oh, first Jenna thing, Blake, you know he was out with Adam, so basically it's Adam's fault. Yeah, hundred percent. Adam kept them out. Oh, she's going to be coming for me in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely, I wouldn't be getting it, Anna. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing to do with me. It was his, he was the one that kept going to the bar, kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll take the hit for for you. I'll take the hit. Good lad. Mm. Uh, let's get on to uh, taking the hits because uh, Lamont Peterson's face basically took quite a few of them at the weekend. Just a bit. We were excited about. Um, the return of Errol Spence Jr. Return. We're excited just in general for the return of boxing, really. Yeah. Um, but to stay up in the early hours of the morning to watch this guy do his thing, it was an absolute masterclass. And for you to stand there on Saturday night in front of me telling me that he's not the best welterweight on the planet, I'll tell you something, Sunshine, there's going to be a lot of fight disciples coming your way on Twitter this week. They're going to be battering the living daylights out of you. Because as my man... Errol Spence said, how can you call Keith Thurman the best welterweight on the planet when he doesn't even bloody fight? All right, he's had an elbow surgery recently, but he's not, say, yeah, he's he's not even in action, man. Come on, this is the best guy on the planet. I think, listen, you're only as good as your last fight. and it, it's There you easy, go, then. It's easy to say that because Errol Spence fought literally, you know, 48 hours ago. <laughs> so it's easy to go, oh, my God, he's the best thing since sliced bread. And he was outstanding. But, you know, let's let's kind of put into... I don't want perspective. Let's put into perspective the level of opponents as well. Yes, Lamont Peterson's had a bit of a resurgence last year when he won that WBA belt uh, last February. But the guy's about 40. He's had a long career. You know, two or three-time world champion himself. It was a bit of a passing of the torch, yes, but come on. Let's put it into some perspective, what we're doing here. Errol Spence has got 10 years on... on, um, Listen... You're as good as the man in front here as well. How many how many superlatives can I use in this? I thought he was outstanding, Errol Spence. Hats off to him. Stopped his last ten opponents. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the problem is there's two guys out there now in this weight class that I would argue are tough fights for right. them. Well, one of which is the established on. number one in wait, the welterweight division. That's not, that's not what you said at the weekend, right? And now you two no, no, wait a minute. You've just changed your rhetoric because you've said there's two guys out there that give him tough fights. Yeah. I agree with that, bit. And I would rank above them. Okay, all right. I, Go back to what you said at the weekend. Go back to what you said at the weekend. Keith Thurman yeah. and for me, Terence Crawford. Stop. Right. Above. Stop. Errol Spence Jr. Stop right now. Stop right now. Terence Crawford hasn't fought at welterweight yet. He's not a welterweight. He's about yet. to become WBO champion. He is not a welterweight yet. Until he steps through the ropes on okay. April twenty first, he's not a welterweight. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. I'll give you that. All right. So Errol Spence is for me is the number two welterweight on the planet. You can't beat Lamont Peterson, then suddenly go, ah, oh, this guy's the best thing, and absolutely, and so much better than Keith Thurman. You can't do that. Keith Thurman's proven in this weight division, been around a lot longer, beating a lot better level of champion and former champion. Keith Thurman does have a better resume. I'll absolutely. Give, I'll give you that. And he's got two belts. I'll give you that. There you go. But he's got a shit haircut, so he's not having it, right? That's the end of the chat. There you go. <laughs> Errol Spence is your boy. Listen, if you're going to have a go at them on personal values... Mm. Get a bit of audio out. Let's, let's hear Errol Spence talk, or should I say, Kermit the Frog talking. Uh, how dare you? <laughs> uh, by the way, after putting manners on um, Peterson at the uh, at the weekend, he gave an interview to Showtime calling out um, Keith. Oh, if we got some audio, this will be brilliant. Okay, get on the fact now then that Errol Spence sounds like a character out of the Muppets. He was calling out Keith one-time Thurman. However, he created a new nickname for him. Everybody know. Everybody know I'm waiting on sometimes Thurman. You know, I've been waiting for a long time. Since I was 15 and old, I've been calling this guy out, and he keep making excuses after excuses. He need to hurry up and come back, you know, fight, uh, fight a little tune or fight, and then let's fight. I'm waiting on him. Let's get it on, man. 
What's wrong with his accent? It's tremendous. You think he sounds like Kermit the Frog? Don't Absolutely, you? Or, or someone from them from them movies. Yeah, mm. definitely. Anyway, uh, Keith sometimes Thurman. To be fair, he has been injured. He's had a little bit of elbow surgery, so he's getting that all sorted. Yeah. Uh, but he does need to be a little bit more active. Having said that, though, it is a bit of pot calling the kettle black because we ain't seen Earl Spence since last I May. I was going to say, yeah. So exactly. you need to get a little bit more active as well, my friend. The, the great thing is between Spence, Thurman, which, um, you know, what we're hearing now is it's definitely going to happen next, which is sensational. What a fight that is for Summer. And by then... Terence Crawford's beat Jeff Horn. He's got the WBO how, belt. How do you know Terence that? Crawford waits for the winner how, at the end of the year. Jeff Horn's the best welterweight on the planet. What are you doing, man? You can't say that. <laughs> it's the best welterweight in their house. I know that. <laughs> Listen, I know that we're having a bit of a mess about, but I genuinely agree with everything that you're saying there. Terence Crawford, if, as, listen, we don't know how he's going to take to 147 compared to 140 because he was brilliant at 140, but I, I imagine that he's going to take to it like a duck to water. I don't yeah. think the weight's going to be the, a major the issue The perfect for him. fight for him is, you know, with all, all due respect to Jeff Horn, but Jeff Horn's the perfect fight for him. He's not jumping in with an Errol Spence or a Keith Thurman fight. He gets to get a belt round his waist by beating a, you know, a B-level champion, which sets him up perfectly for the winner of Spence Thurman. That's a super fight. For me, that's a welterweight super fight. But the winner of those two against... Uh, against um... And you're on time. When you're ready. Go on. Terence Crawford. That's that night out. That's End that Camden Hells like Trying to bring it all back. That's what it is. It's just, you were buffering then. That's the super I saw fight. you buffering. That's I saw the, super fight I saw the 56k year. modem going crazy then. <laughs> <laughs> but you are right. And just imagine that as well. Terence Crawford, the last man to be an undisputed champion, mm-hmm. any weight category, mm-hmm. only man to ever hold all four belts. Here we go. Steps up in weight. Yep. And then he's straight in near enough in the same year into an undisputed uh uh, welterweight clash. Wow. So, so last year, I think across most media outlets, they kind of agreed that Lomachenko was fighter of the year. I think a lot of people said, "Yeah, this guy's." You know, we're, we're accepting now. The world has finally woken up to the rhetoric we've been spouting on here that the guy's special and he is literally living in the matrix. But I think the biggest loser there was probably Terence Crawford because he did something that doesn't get done. Mm. And he, you know, for Terence Crawford not to be named. You know, fight of the year across most outlets was was kind of bizarre for his actual achievements. Yeah, but I think if he comes up and potentially unifies this welterweight division, back to back welt unifications of two different weight classes, come on, we've got to be talking about him being fight of the year then. And then Mm. the crazy thing is that should he still be able to go back down to one forty seven, he may well end up fighting Lomachenko somewhere along the lines as well, which would be... 140, you mean? Get back 140, down to sorry, 140. back down to 140. Yeah. Mm. That would be, be unbelievable, wouldn't it? Unbelievable. Now, that's a 2019 super-duper trooper fight. You know, get the, get Abbott out. You've you been listening to Abbott. Get Abbott out. Say, fuck me, <laughs> Woo, he's all over it. Uh, what did you make of uh, Robert Easter Jr.'s performance on that undercard? Uh, I'm, uh, what I made of it was Luke Campbell should be licking his chops together because that Robert Easter Jr., mate, he's an accident waiting to happen. I think so as well. Big style. I was a bit disappointed, actually, because I, I wanted... I was massively disappointed. I, I was watching it thinking, right, is he going to put some manners on or what? And it just didn't necessarily happen. Don't get me wrong, he won. Mm. But he just, I wasn't. I didn't come away going fucking early special. Whereas, like, I come away from Errol Spence Jr. going, oh, man, yeah, love watching that kid. You know, early in his career as well, Robert Easter Jr. I said it to you, haven't I? I you know, he um, the, he just brought me visions of like some of the greats. Like, do you know what I mean? I, I've said it to you, haven't I? He looks Ernie. like Thomas Ernst. Yeah, like, yeah. He's like this. He, he does actually. He reminds me of like Thomas Ernst because he's long yeah. and gangly. He's got that like weird goatee thing going on, and he's got these weird long skinny arms. And early in his career, he, he fought like Thomas Ernst as well. But now, what what was that? That was his like fourth 
decision mm. in a run. And two of those have been split decisions as well. And don't forget the weekend, Fortuna was Dr. Point mm. uh, for holding and hitting uh, midway through the fight, which had that not happened, that would have swung the cards in his favour and we would have had a new champion. So, yeah, if, if I'm someone like, uh, as I say, someone like a Luke Campbell or even an Anthony Crawler or whatever, you'd be, fought, you'd be fighting over, falling over themselves, even if they had to go to the US. Mm. He's an accident waiting to happen in. Uh, great to have the fighting back. Really enjoyed that little yeah. weekend. Did you, you see that Marcus Brown on the undercard, by the way, before you move on the light heavyweight? He was matched. He was 20 and 0 light heavyweight, matched up with a, a Canadian, African Canadian, uh, Francian Tetu. And he blew him away in the first round. Uh, caught him with a belt of a shot, but didn't let him get out of there. And I just thought, I'm going to mention that Marcus Brown on this week's show because he looks like he could be a bit of a... Uh, definitely one to watch in the light heavyweight division. Mm, some killers in that light heavyweight Ooh, division. Just a bit. Um, just on um, well, on, on that, we're going to look forward towards um, uh, Jorge Linares being back in action this weekend. Um, because it's great to have the boxing back. It's all well and good us sitting here chatting about, oh, this fight's getting made, this fight's getting made. But I want to stay up early yeah. hours of uh, Saturday and Sunday morning to actually watch some fights, man. See, it, it helped me because as soon as I said to Jane, I'm staying up Saturday night, I'll be sleeping on the couch. She was like, well, you know, great. Couldn't think of anything better after your performance <laughs> last week. The only thing is, is the day after when you got the kids early doors. Well... That was the only good thing was I slipped upstairs. I watched it. Obviously, I watched Errol Spence, stayed up for UFC 220, slipped upstairs about half past five, um, got in the big bed, and then the kids were up half an hour later. And, and good enough. No, you know, she didn't. Good enough. She, she looked she, after you. She took the kids I downstairs. Was, mate, I was kicked out at 10 seven. o'clock, I rolled out of bed. 10 o'clock. You did. And I was, well, I was in the doghouse. Clearly, I'm not in the doghouse anymore. But, Dirty boy. I know. Half five, same for me, right? Half five to bed. Half six, come on, it's your turn. Out. Gone. Gone, mate. Oh. And then I had in-laws and all sorts to do oh. yesterday. Absolute minging. Minging. Oh. I'm hanging out my ass. <laughs> I went in bed for eight o'clock last night. I went to bed with a lad. <laughs> um, last week we were talking, obviously, AJ Parker, that deal is done. Um, off the back of that, then we had the news that Tyson Fury um, basically is having his licence. The, the ban on his licence has been lifted. Yep. Um, subject to medical. Good news. Maybe this gives him the little bit of inspiration that he needs to shift the rest of that weight because he shifted tons and then he's just stagnated it. I keep watching him on Instagram and stuff like that. He looks like he's shifting a lot of a lot of weight as Big Tyson, does he? He no, ain't going to be fighting anytime soon. No, I know exactly. Uh, I think any talk of him being on this Frampton undercard and that mm. looks folly now because he's still absolutely massive. Um, so it is a weird one, Tyson. I, I, I think that I thought that was what we were waiting for was that the approval from the board going yeah you're going to get your license back and then it'd be like right here we go all guns blazing um, but unfortunately he still just doesn't seem to have got on top of it and that trip out to Fort Aventura or whatever he was and now he's come back and he just doesn't seem to be shifting at all and these pictures of him sitting with his family and everything at home lying on the couch um, it's not the right time, you know, mind frame he needs to be in. The one positive I heard, and we kind of expected it, is that there's now become a link um, over with uh, the gym in Sheffield, with the Ingalls. Yeah. Uh, I've heard the rumour that Dominic Ingle, him and Tyson will be hooking up. We kind of predicted this, didn't we? We kind of said mm. we can't see him retaining um, with, with with the coach that he's working with right now, who's basically a strength and conditioning guy, um, so that wouldn't surprise him. But yeah, you know, he's got to get this weight off, and he must be he must be looking all around him, thinking, you know, David Price is being offered chief sub, you know, or a spot on the AJ card. Well, that that could have been. I could, I should be chief support, and I need to get back in the mix now because if David Price does get this fight, 
on the AJ card and wins. Bear in mind that AJ during the Parker Conference said, "Yeah, I've only been this. I've only been stopped three times. Once in the European Championships, uh, down three times when I wasn't down. Uh, Klitschko put me down and got up to win. David Price knocked me out. The only man to ever do it." That straight away I was like, okay, that's massive for David Price. And then suddenly they're saying, okay, Price, do you want to fight Povetkin on AJ's undercard? There's a reason why, because if Price beats Povetkin, he will get the AJ fight. Because mm. it's another 80,000 sellout for AJ to do here. What you would see on paper is a comfortable defence. There's a story and narrative behind it. Tyson's going to miss out on all this if he doesn't get himself back in shape quick. Mm. I don't think Povetkin's going to take that fight. Yet. Well, he hasn't signed yet, has he? It's, it's no. been almost a week now. I think it's been four or five days since they announced it and Price came out and said, yeah, I've accepted it. But uh, there's been nothing out of Povetkin camp because for them, it's a massive danger fight. They're the number one contender. That's not going to change. Mm. Um, I don't know whether... This is why the WBA crap and stuff. They will probably let him sit on the fence and wait for AJ rather than going, well, no, you can't just sit there. You've got to fight someone. Mm. We're giving you David Price, who on paper is a warm-up fight for you because look at his recent record. But obviously, Povetkin knows as much as anyone else knows that if you can just get David Price switched on with his punching power, he can put anyone to sleep. Mm. From Matchroom's point of view, they could do with Povetkin being on that undercard. Absolutely. For the fans to go, we'll have a look at him next time. That's out. exactly why they're doing it. It, it, it. It's a perfect fight for the, for Matchroom because on paper, going by recent form, Povetkin should get Price out of there and should look good doing it. The other flip side is if Price can get right psychologically and turn up and do it and do what everyone around him believes he's capable of, then... They've got another fight set up perfectly. That's all British, and there's got a real narrative behind it because AJ's just said it on a press conference. Mm. So matchroom, it's absolutely perfect bit of matchmaking. But you're right, I, I don't know whether Povetkin's going to take it, to be honest. I think he'll want something a little bit more straightforward and someone a little bit less dangerous. You just mentioned uh, the Ingle Gym there. Obviously, a man that is at the Ingle Gym and has come off the back of a world-class performance in Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, April 14th, we've got a date for him now. He is yep. back out and about, and he's out and about against Martin Murray. Now, right... There's loads of fans listening to this and there's loads of fans that tweet us on a regular basis and we'll probably want our thought process on this. I understand that when you first see that matchup, you go, oh, can't be bothered with that. I genuinely think that. And when mm -hmm. I saw it first up, I thought, no, I don't know. Stop it. However, let's think logically, right? And let's think as a as a promoter and let's think as, let's think as Billy Joe Saunders for a second. Yep. Billy Joe Saunders has been incredibly inactive since he became world champion. For a full year after becoming world champion, he didn't even fight. Yep. So I think he's had three fights in two years. Okay. Now, I've been on record saying off the back of the Lemieux fight, I don't want to see him in with anybody else other than the absolute peak of this division. The peak of this Top division. Three. The other three. The peak of this division is Triple G <laughs> and Canelo, right? And then you've obviously got Daniel Jacobs in there as well. Yeah. Triple G and Canelo are going to do their fight on May the, uh, May the 5th. That's near enough signed, sealed and delivered. So they're tied up. They, he can't fight one of them. So take them out of the equation. They're gone. Daniel Jacobs has got a date in April in New York. And he's fighting Spike O'Sullivan. That's near enough done. Supposedly, yeah. Right? So take him out. So now what you're looking at? You're looking at Charlo then. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. He's, the, he's probably the other elites amongst us. If you're thinking of a top five middleweight, he's there, right? Charlo's fighting on... Uh, uh, Deontay Wilder's undercard on March the 3rd. Yeah. Right? So take him out. So yeah. who else have you got? Who else is there? So you look around of all the other contenders. Billy Joe Saunders, as we've said on regular occasions, needs someone to get him focused. Needs someone to get him up for it. Yeah. Needs some to put a little bit of lead in his pencil. Everybody else down that list, he'll look at him and go, oh, waste of time this. Why am I fighting these guys? I'll absolutely school them. And as we've seen with, for example, Willie Munro Jr., it doesn't necessarily catch fire and he ends up looking bad. He needs to keep the momentum going. So what do you need? You need a guy that is going to be pressurising him, coming forward, and 
is a name enough in the UK that can get the fans off their seat a little bit. Yeah. Martin Murray, if we're honest, is has only ever been schooled at middleweight by Gennady Golovkin. That's right. He's Absolutely. fought Abraham, he's fought Martinez. In my opinion, he's beaten Martinez in Argentina. Yep. He's robbed fought, against Felix Stern. Robbed against Felix Stern when he got a split decision. Yep. Arthur Abraham was a little bit more closer, of course. And then of, he stepped up to super middleweight to fight uh, George Gloves, and he ended up getting beat, well beat in that fight, of course. But yep. at middleweight, the only man to do anything against Martin Murray is Gennady Golovkin. And he went right through to the 11th round and nearly saw him out for 12 rounds. So it makes perfect sense from a... From a Billy Joe Saunders point of view, right, I'll fight this kid. I'll put a grip because he's going to come forward. I'll school him. I'll not. I'll, I'll do him over 12 rounds. Everybody's thinking, he's still going, he's Billy, still looking good. It keeps him active, keeps the rust off. And then hopefully by August, September, we're looking at a fight where he is fighting Daniel Jacobs. Something like that, all right? Yeah. So it makes perfect sense from his point of view. From Martin Murray's point of view, it's last chance saloon. It's absolutely, I've just got the Willy Wonka ticket. Let's get fifth, on. Fifth world title shot. Let's get on this, man. Let's train my ass off. He knows full well it's his last throw of the dice. Let's get in there and have a go. Yeah. Now, 90% of the boxing public, maybe 95% of the boxing public think, he ain't got a cat and else chance against Billy Joe Saunders. But this is boxing. Mm-hmm. You never, ever know. So I'm, with a bit of logic, as I step back from the fight, rather than just look at the names and maybe the last performances, I go, it actually makes quite a bit of sense. I think it makes absolute sense. Uh, you're right, everybody else is kind of tied up. Yes, we want to see Billy Joe unify the belts, but right now the belts aren't there to be unified. So uh, a, a defence on home soil makes pe- sense and there's no bigger name. You know, Martin Murray, uh, the names you've just gone through there, you just named four to five. Martin Murray's top ten ranked. Do you know what I mean? So the only other British fighter really around there would be probably Andy Lee. Uh, and he's, he's already, already beat Andy Lee, took yeah, the belt yeah, yeah. off Andy Lee. So mm. I think Andy Lee's actually signed up for a fight as well. He's got something coming up. But I think Martin Murray's a better fight than Andy Lee because we haven't seen Martin Murray fight Billy Joe Saunders. And mm. as you say, Martin Murray's only been decisively beaten at middleweight by Golovkin. So it's the perfect fight if you're Billy Joe Saunders. What they've got to make sure is that Billy Joe doesn't go backwards in terms of his mind state. Yeah. He seems to be in a really good place right now psychologically. He should want to get Martin Murray out of there. Out of, that's what prove a point. Yeah. Because Golovkin's the only person to ever do it. Yeah, yeah. So he's got to try and get in there and do the same thing. He's yeah, got to yeah. get in there and go, okay, this guy's for, for four world titles. The only person to get him out of there was Golovkin late on. I've got to get him out of there early and prove a bit of a point. And right now, Billy Joe with his tail up and the way he performed against Lamar and the way the reaction and the, you know, the way he seems to have settled in, in, in at the Ingalls camp, you, you'd be crazy to bet against them. Yeah. But Martin Murray, as we know, is game as anything. And he will turn up there and he will give us a show. And that's the main thing about it. This is going to be a hell of a fight on April the 14th. This is going to be a not-to-be-missed performance. And whether that means Billy Joe Saunders proves he's, as you've been pushing the best middleweight on the planet and does an absolute number on Martin Murray or Martin Murray turns up and turns this into an absolute all British battle whatever it's going to be outstanding I'm really looking forward to it and you know hopefully I think Terry Flanagan's on the undercard as well but yeah. that's super, super lightweight fact, title fight mate that's the discussion that's the out of, the out of those two fights that are on there that's the discussion to have just yeah. a quick one on Martin Murray before we move on to uh, Terry Flanagan um, he's never had a world title shot in the UK all of them have been abroad Germany True. Argentina, this is and was it Monte Carlo, Monaco, where he went to Golovkin? Uh, it was in France somewhere, wasn't it? Argentina, Germany, and was it in France? Was it in Monaco? Yeah, it was in South France. Yeah, the um, this is his first time in the UK, and as you rightfully pointed out, if they end up going with this in Manchester, he's got an unbelievable knockout ratio. I think he's I think he's arena. won every fight at Manchester Arena by knockout, by TKO. So yeah. that's Martin Murray's stomping ground. You could argue. 
So uh, we haven't we haven't got a date confirmed yet for a, a location. Sorry, yeah, confirmed location, for April yeah. 14th. Date is April 14th. They're yeah. talking about it's likely going to be the Copper Box, the O2, or or Manchester. Do you know why they haven't so. got a, a venue as of yet? And this is going to piss everybody off because Matchroom are looking at April 14th Ugh. for Crawler Campbell. Joking on the same night. What the fuck? Why, why are we doing well, fights on the same fucking night well, check again? This, check this out, right? So you've got that April 14th, Billy Joe Saunders, uh, Martin Murray, yep. potentially clashing with Anthony Crawler, Luke Campbell. Oh. The week after, you've got Amir Khan's come confirmed. back. Yeah, yeah. Confirmed. Uh, in Liverpool. Cl- clashing with uh, Carl Frampton. In Belfast. Pick, pick and choose. So they, they we could have two weeks back-to-back where yeah. Sky and BT Sport clash over boxing. Yeah. Why? There's, there's got to be more. There's enough Saturdays in the year for you to just to divvy it up. I don't understand. Listen, I get the rivalry between Frank Warren and Matchroom. Yeah. You know, I, I get that. It's been going for years. But you died long before we had Eddie. Yeah, yeah. It, when Barry was there, it was Barry and Frank, and now Eddie's there, and it's and it's like Eddie and and Frank and his sons and everything. I get it. I get that rivalry, and it's ace as as fighters. It's it for the for fans. It's brilliant because it means they're competing to put on better fights. And for fighters, it's great because there's two real options to go and make money and get on to, get on big TV platforms. Mm. I can completely get that I support it 100% but why doesn't someone at Sky and someone at BT Sport go do you know what should we be fucking should we be friends and what I'll do is I'll let you know when we've got a show and you let me know when I've got a show yeah. and let's work it for the fans because so you do just April like, 7th we do April 14th just you like I'm here Carmen Frampton you know I don't give a fuck if they go ah but listen more people watch that Amir Khan on Sky than watch Frampton on BT Sport, so we kind of won. No, you didn't. You fucking lost. Because even if you got the market share, there's still a massive share who watch Frampton. You're mm. fucking it up. Like, get the whole share. Get every boxing fan watching you. And next week, go on, yeah. Go and watch BT Sport now if you want, or go and watch Sky now if you want. I just don't get it. It drives me round the bend. But there's something special is going on right now in boxing. We're at, we're at the epicenter of it. That's why this show is doing so well because British boxing and world boxing. This is a golden age, and we should be embracing it. Why are we alienating boxing fans by putting two things on at once on two different channels? How angry are you? Oh, man, it's honestly, this is fucking really pissing me off. And I can't believe they're going to do it the week before now as well. I hope, your wife's crazy. Not, I hope your wife's not listening to the show with the amount of F-bombs you're dropping right at this moment in time. I'm just fuming. I'm just fuming. This is this is, this is is what happens when I get kicked out the big bed, you see. I'm, there's too much testosterone <laughs> built up. Fancy a Camden Hells lager. I'll go and get you one. I'll go get you one now. Uh, Terry Flanagan, more hooker if you want to get really angry because you wanted to see Terry Flanagan fighting Anthony Crawler, but he stepped up in weight to attempt to become a two-weight world champion. Listen, I love that. The idea of becoming a two-weight world champion, absolutely bob on. Yeah. But... Once you have been calling out everybody in your weight category and then you get offered super fights, I'm sure the Anthony Crawler fight could have been made, but Mikey Garcia offered you a fight, Terry Flanagan, and now you've gone upstairs to go and fight more hooker. Fair enough. There's a belt there. I understand the dangle. But I'll tell you something, you ain't getting paid, mate. You ain't getting paid like you're going to be, you would get paid for a Garcia or a Linares fight. Uh, But he's on the undercard. Mm. You know, it's a world title fight. It's the chance to become a two weight world champion and it's chief support. That says everything you need to know. Now, we've been at Terry Flanagan fights and the poor kid can't sell a ticket. Um, I'd argue we'd, he would have that would have all changed had he stayed at lightweight. You know, since we've, we had the... I don't want to go on about Terry Flanagan again because I feel like we've had the pop of him a few times for, for skipping out of the lightweight division. And we've spoken to people that know him well and have shared the ring with him since. And that said, listen, there's physically this kid could not make lightweight anymore. I get that. 
what, what I don't get is why you were calling out Mikey Garcia and Jorge Linares when you knew yourself you definitely couldn't stay here. Mm. You never once said, I would love to be able to fight Linares. I would love to be able to fight Garcia. I would love to be making those fights. But you know what? Physically, I can't do it no more. I've got to go to super lightweight. Can't wait for one of them guys to move up. Hopefully, Mikey Garcia comes back where he's, he's flirted there with Adrian Boner. Hopefully, he comes back. He never said that. He went, I want him, and I want them fighting, and I want that fight, and all that. Oh, hey, Lars went, go on, I'll fight you. And he went, I'm moving up to super lightweight. That, that's what's left a bit of a stain in the mouth in terms of Teddy Flanagan. But listen, two-weight world champion here. Let's start again. Um, but you're on an undercard. Mm. You're a two-time world champion on someone else's undercard. Having said that, though, Garcia is fighting for uh, a world title in that weight category against Sergei Lipinets, which was, I think it was due in February. Lipinets got injured. It's now been pushed back to March the 10th. It has been confirmed. Sorry, yeah. Um, he is nails his Lipinets, but Garcia's nails as well. That's an absolute cracking, cracking fight, is that? Don't leave, just because you might uh, not know the name Sergei Lipinets, he is he's the real deal, in my opinion. And yep. I, I, don't get me wrong, I think Garcia wins. <laughs> but he's the real deal and it won't be one of those where it's ugh, it's a bit of a gimme. It's a, pro- it's a proper fight there. So you never know. If uh, Terry Flanagan ends up winning the WBO version of this belt, then yep. you've got uh, uh, Mikey Garcia. I mean, obviously, Garcia and Linares are due to come back down to 135 and fight at that weight category. Uh, but there's an opportunity for Garcia to float between the two weights and go back up there and have a, a knock eventually with Terry Flanagan and maybe unify. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I hope that happens because, listen, there's no, we've got nothing personal against okay, Terry Flanagan. No, I love I like him. The kid. I love him. I like the kid. Um, but we just need to see him in big fights. And Morris Hooker, that's not the type of fight where which is going to switch fans on suddenly to become massive Terry Flanagan fans. Mm. Um, just in other news regarding fights that we're delighted are back on the table. Callum Johnson, who was ill at the back end of last year, we wanted to see him in with the uh, Frank Bullioni for the uh, British um, title. Yep. We were absolutely gutted that this fell off. Um, it was due on the hair belly, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. But he, en- so. he ended up falling off because uh, Callum got injured. Uh, Callum got ill. Frank ended up fighting somebody else. But now it's back on March twenty fourth on the Dillian White Lucas Big Daddy Brown undercard. It's a great fight that, and we well, I think we've both been on record saying that we fancy Callum Johnson in that fight if he's fit yeah. and he's medically cleared. I fancy him to do a job. Absolutely, yeah. I think he's. Uh, I think he's got the better boxing skills. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the problem with Buglioni is uh, as exciting as he is uh, to watch. And I think he's a real crowd, crowd pleaser, Buglioni. But he is, he can be beat. You know, the, there's a blueprint to beat him, unfortunately. And I think uh, when it comes to boxing boxing brains, I think Callum's just slightly got the edge on him. But that's shaping up to be a belter of a little card, that one as well. Mm. I, know it's the, I know it was the O2. When they first announced it, the O2 was like, that's a bit brave. Dillian White versus Lucas Brown at the O2. Um, but when you put on fights like this on the undercard, it kind of makes a little bit of sense. Another one of them. Or even a even a a world title on there as a as a slipped in with those to make three title fights, and uh, maybe a, a smaller weight class would make this a really interesting card. But even Dillian White, Lucas Brown, I, I like that fight. I like it because I've said it before. I don't think Dillian White's had that one breakthrough moment where we go right, gotta have a world title fight now. And Lucas Brown obviously has been a world champion. I know no, he, uh, he's been a WBA champion, regular not, not regular champion. Um, he's had his issues, obviously, as Dillian has. But you know what? I think this is just the case of whoever wins this now, there's no denying that's going to get a, a shot at a world title fight next. Started feeling sorry a bit for Lucas Brown, me, you know. Have you? Yeah. Mm. Uh, we, obviously on this show, if anybody's listened since Dead Dot, you'll know that we've gone in on him, mainly because we have that policy where if you fail two uh, tests, yeah. um, and you should be out. You should be out the game, you know. that we, We're quite blanket on that. 
Now, Lucas was obviously in the UK last week and we invited him on our radio show at the weekend. He didn't end up turning up because of time differences as he's back in Australia now. And I'm gutted about that because I really wanted to talk to him and get his side uh, of the chat. Pavetkin, we know where you're at, mate, right? And we have very, very strong opinions on where you're at. Lucas Brown is kind of in that category because he's failed two tests. Now, I understand there are different circumstances for different human beings. First time... He's been, well, let's be straight, he's been done in uh, Chechnya when he became the regular champion. He's ended up losing the belt off the back of that and serving a suspension. And I was watching some interviews with him last week and he was very open, very candid and very honest about, listen, the second time I was naive, I was stupid. It was my fault. Buying a, sub, uh, a supplement over the counter, uh, which had the wrong stuff in it, which was on the ban list and ended up getting him uh, a second suspension. Now, on that, I still have the view of going, listen, mate, you're a professional athlete. We, it's not me and you going down the street for our fucking Lemsip mm-hmm. or our nasal sprays or anything like that just because we want to get better. You're a professional athlete. Sometimes you're going to have to tough it out because you can't take certain things in order to compete in professional sports. Now, all right, you're not got a needle there and you're not injecting something and you're not trying to pull the wall over somebody's eyes. But the rules are the rules. You ended up taking a substance that you shouldn't have taken. And that, for me, will always now, whatever Lucas Brown goes on to go and do, yeah. there'll always be that doubt in the back of my mind. Of course. Always, where I'm thinking, is he? Is he, is he legit? Has he pulled the wool over my eyes? There's that saying, isn't it? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me, uh, shame, shame on, on you. you. Fool me twice, shame, shame on, me. on me. You know what I mean? There's that. And that will always be in the back of my mind. But the more I watch him speak and the more... Uh, I hear his side of the story. You can't help but empathise. You can't help but go, you've just been a fucking stupid bastard. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, Pavekin, you're a dirty fucking little drug cheat. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Of course. I get where you're coming from. And uh, I think it's rather nice of you to reach out an olive branch to Lucas Brown like that. Um, But it is what it is at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned. Listen, if you disagree, man, you can say There's two stars against his name. I think he's uh, he's treading on thin ice now. And if I was someone like Lucas Brown, anyone really, anyone that in the heavyweight division especially, which is riddled right now, to be honest. You, I mean, let's not... You can count on one hand the number well, let's not of brush top heavyweights that have never had the... Dillian's failed one. Of course, Dillian's failed as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can count on one hand the number of elite heavyweights that have never, ever failed a test, unfortunately. Uh, it's the world we live in. Um, kind of like cycling, isn't it? You know, I think it needs a moment where... Perhaps the likes of Pavekin and Lucas Brown and even Dillian White are not high profile enough to get busted mm. to really open the can of worms on this sport. Um, cycling was absolutely destroyed, of course, once Lance Armstrong Lance, yeah. finally got caught. And unfortunately, maybe maybe boxing needs that. Maybe boxing needs it to get done at that level for every organisation and certainly every promoter and every international governing body to come together and go, you know what, if anyone... For, let's all sign up to doing a certain type of drug testing first and foremost, and then unified, once someone fails two tests, none of us will ever give them a title shot or British board, no one will, you're not allowed to fight in Britain. Because the, the problem is at the moment, because, because boxing hasn't got an overall governing body. Mm. And when you look at football, you probably think that's not a bad thing. But because there's no uniformity there, you see, so British board of control could have come down really hard and gone, hey, Lucas Brown, you're never fighting here again. You've had two failed drug tests. But then the board have got to go, one of them was in Chechnya. So straight away you put a question mark behind it and go, what the fuck was that? Second one may well have just been, you know, as he says, a supplement that he picked up that he didn't realise had an ingredient in. So he's made a mistake. You're going to punch the guy for the rest of his life for making one mistake and getting done. But then the other flip side of that is if the board went hard and went, no, no, we believe that was right, that was right, you've absolutely failed two tests, you're never boxing in Britain again. 
well, the, the American, you know, the New Jersey State Athletic Commission might go, we don't really care what the British board said, you come and fight here, or the Australian board, or the WBC, or, you know, do you know what I mean? Because there's no uniformity across the board. Well, look at what happened you can with... Get away, you can literally get away well, with it. Well, look murder. at Luis Ortiz, right? There's mm-hmm. another one. There's another fucker, right? Yeah. What you've got WBA and WBC giving two totally different rulings Absolutely. on the same thing. Yeah. How can that be? Yeah. How can one go, yeah, he's sound, and one go, no, fuck off? How can that happen? WBA came out and said, you'll never fight for our belt. WBC, go on, go and fight on. Deontay Wilder. Shocking. And, you know, there's, there's just no... That's the problem, you see. There's, there's no uniformity to it. So people are literally getting away with crazy things, unfortunately, and... You know, I feel for all the clean heavyweights out there, and you know, I'm not speaking to many of them, <laughs> but I, I feel for them all. Because, you three, you three yeah, know exactly. who you are. Because it's kind of like cycling. It's kind of like a lot, a lot of sports at this level, where you go like, if if you're not doing it, you ain't gonna win it. Hmm. Like so, that's it. Like there's cycling. They got that level, didn't it? Where everyone in the Tour de France, they were just like, well, if you ain't doing it, you can't win. That's it. If you're not having your little asthma puffer here, or your, mm. you know, your, your little brown paper bag over there, then you're never got your your IV drip. That's just got some magic stuff in it. You're never ever ever gonna win the Tour de France. That's just the way cycling is. It's completely and utterly, you know, juiced up to the eyeballs, and has mm. been for years. We're now learning, mm. boxing can't get that way. Boxing, and and you know what? We're we're obsessed with the heavyweight division, but. If it's happening in the heavyweight division, you better believe it's starting to filter down to the other weight classes as well. You've got to start questioning cruiserweights and light heavyweights, and you know, it, it, then then it gets worrying. Then it gets worrying because you think, wow, it can't just be the heavyweight division that there's guys in there trying to get an edge. Let's pretend that these two have never failed tests. Yeah, it's actually a good fight. It's a great fight, you know. And, and again, two of them you can I can argue have been fools. Do you know what I mean? They've both got an excuse there. Maybe they're just fools. Maybe they're just idiots that hopefully have learned their lesson. Um, but yeah, away from all that, let's forget about all that then. Let's put that to one side. Yes, it is a great fight. It's a fight that Dillian White needs, in my opinion. He still needs to have that one showstopper performance where I go, okay, world title fight, definitely. We didn't get it against Robert Hellenius. He looked, for me, he carried Hellenius along them rounds, didn't take a chance. Yes, Hellenius was super negative going backwards, but it's up to Dillian White to finish a fight. Um, and likewise, Lucas Brown, he's been there, wore the T-shirt, had his stripped. Okay, here's your third chance. Let's see if he. Let's see what he's got left in him. He's he's undefeated. He's got a ton of knockouts in his 25 wins. He will come at Dillian White. Dillian White says, "When a guy comes at me, you'll see the best of Dillian White," mm. and his record probably suggests that too. But on that point, I agree with that. You see the best of Dillian White when he's in a fight, when it's yeah. a street fight, when someone's coming at him. AJ, he got knocked out. Yeah, yeah. Chisora. I've been on record saying I thought Chisora won that fight. Absolutely. It wasn't, it, it wasn't, we're not saying where it's the best Dillian White and he's convincing. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's the best Dillian White, but he's far he's, from convincing. Yeah, he's not winning the fights easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lucas, again, Lucas Brown's never lost a fight. You know, he's never lost a fight. I think the only thing against Lucas Brown is that Dillian White's got 10 years on him, but Lucas Brown's had, you know, from what you from what you hear about the camp, he, he, he trains hard, he's in great shape, he, and he comes to fight. He's going to be sparring Chisora as well. Doesn't surprise me. He's going to does uh, not surprise get me some at all. inside info. It's a belter, though. Honestly, uh, aside from all the drug crap, mm. this is a great fight. It's, it's a good card. to be a tasty card, yeah. Mm, mm, really good card. Uh, quick one as well for uh, Liverpool fight fans, because on Amir Khan's undercard, Masha, Tommy Coyle. Oh, yeah, we, I spoke about this on, uh, thingy, on our Radio City talk show last week. But this is a great fight. Massive fan of Tommy Coyle. Obviously, you'd be crazy if you weren't a fan of Masha Dodd. And again, I heard Tommy Cole come out this week and say that uh, you know he's he's looked at Mache, he doesn't really rate him, and you know he's impressed with what he's done, but stylistically he's not all that. 
How many times have we heard that same same thing said about Masha Dodd? Oh, he looks like a novice. He does weird things. He looks really raw, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yet the kid just finds a way to win. It's a great fight. Mm. Uh, this weekend, back on uh, the television, Box Nation. I'll tell you something. Fair play to Box Nation at this moment. One, they got the Errol Spence uh, Jr. fight, uh, which was absolutely tremendous. And then this weekend, they're treating us to a little bit of uh, Jorge Linares. I don't know if you've been watching any of Jorge Linares' social media because he posts quite a lot of uh, various... Uh, speed bag drills and uh, I've seen the speed bag drills, drills this week. Yeah, it I'm was rock- just incredible. It looked like it was in fast forward. It was unreal, wasn't it? He- Never seen anyone do that on a speed bag before. That was insane. <laughs> he looks in absolutely sensational nick. Yeah, he looks like he's getting quicker. Do you know? Like yeah. I saw some stuff with Amir Khan this week, and Amir Khan's obviously going to take a little bit of time to get up to speed. Yeah, and I was like, oof, it doesn't look like Amir Khan. Amir Khan. I looked at Jorge Linares and it was ridiculous, man. He was like, he was chucking like 30 punches a second. It was mm-hmm. crazy, crazy stuff. Even though his opponent isn't one of those that gets me off the seat this weekend, I'm looking yep. forward to it because I want Jorge to put a little bit of a clinic on it. I just hope, typical old school Jorge, I hope he don't turn up, batters this kid for four rounds and then goes for a walk for the rest of the fight. No. As he has done on previous occasions. I hope he turns up and he goes, right, he's learnt his lesson from Luke Campbell. He yeah. goes, right, I'm putting my foot down here. I'm going to smash this kid up because I need the uh, Mikey Garcia fight. He needs a big impact. You know, when he's, he's he's back on American TV on big, you know, Golden Boy have put him at the top of a big card on HBO. Um, it's right across Latin America and everywhere else. This is a massive opportunity because it's funny, over here we, we love Jorge Linares because of the couple of fights that, you know, the three fights that he's had here in the UK and put on real clinics. And, we're and like, the one against uh, Luke Campbell over there. Absolutely. And we, we're the ones who are going, oh, you know, this guy is one of the best pound for pound on the planet. I think he's got a bigger fan base in the UK than he has in the US, even though he's obviously based out of Golden Boy in California. Yeah, probably has, yeah. This guy, throughout his career, I don't feel he was based in Japan for a while. He was based in like Panama or somewhere. Venezuela he's from, yeah. Venezuela. Mm. He was based in London for the Luke Campbell fight. This guy's kind of... He, he's, he's a nomad. He's had, to, he's had to do that because he's never really had that American fan base. I don't think they've appreciated what a superstar he is. Uh, I think the Luke Campbell fight, he showed glimpses of it. But as you say, he went on his bike for long periods too. So I think this is his moment really to break through as a next-gen star for Oscar De La Hoya and for Golden Boy Promotions. And they've mm. planned this perfect opponent for him in Gestler who... Typical Filipino, comes ploughing forward, he's got a solid record, um, you know, he knows his way about the ring, but in theory, he hasn't got the tactical skills to lace Linares' boots. Mm. Um, on the undercard, I say on the undercard, I think uh, Linares' fight is the undercard, actually, to Lucas Matisse, because L- Lucas Matisse is fighting uh, Tewa Kiram, yeah. undefeated, 38 fights, knocked out 28 of his opponents. Yeah, no, but... Look at, his, look at the level of his opponents. Of course, listen. Know, I always think Matisse, we talked about Matisse the other day, and I was saying Matisse at one point, he was being built up as the best welterweight we've ever seen. This guy is going to be the future of the welterweight division, everything else, and everyone was getting so excited about him. And then suddenly, you know, he runs into Zab Judah, runs into Devin Alexander, and then it was a little bit left. I think he beat be Peterson along the way, and then suddenly Danny Garcia, and it was like, oh, this big, punch a monster Matisse is never going to do it and look for a spell there like he's never going to become welterweight champion but then they made this fight the weekend Karam's paper record don't be fooled but that 38 no record uh, we will finally see Matisse win by knockout and become champion of the world this weekend I'm absolutely convinced of it mate 38 wins 35 knockouts it's unheard of in this division that type of it stuff is. that's heavyweight type shit it is it's bonkers and you know had the guy got any kind of stand-up record, you'd argue for it. But look at the guys he's beaten in his last 10 fights, for instance. I had a little look and, you know, I think they've... Yes, there's more wins than losses, but it's like 75 wins against 40-odd losses. 
a guy, don't forget, a guy three fights ago, he fought, this is this is the thing with Thai fighters, you really have to look at their record. You know, in February 2017, he fought a guy called Vijinda Kumar. Oh yeah, Vijinda. Won by, big, yeah, I'm yeah. a big fan of his, yeah. Won by knockout in the ninth round. Yeah, yeah. It was Kumar's pro debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was in the So, corner. listen, massively impressed. On paper, Karam's record is massively impressive. 28 knockouts, as you say, and 38 wins. But in reality, this kid's going to walk straight into a big shot from Matisse. He shouldn't be in a world title mm. fight at this level. Listen, I've got some bad news for you, actually. No, no. Um, Saturday nights, obviously, we're doing a radio show at this moment in time, which is live on air at 10 o'clock. Oh, it clashes with... Oh, no! See? I knew you'd get, I knew you'd get pissed off. Uh, so while you're sat at home enjoying yourself watching the World Boxing <laughs> Super Series, which uh, miraculously is free, don't get me started on all the other stuff that's not free regarding the... Uh, well, I, Callum Smith's not free now, I is know, it? I know, For it's not. Sake. I know. Come on. I know. Come on, I, Channel 4 box office. I understand Eubank Junior Groves. but the re- ITV box office, sorry, ITV box office. Yeah, absolutely. The rest of it should be free. Even the Callum Smith fight should be free, but uh, they're cashing in, charging you a tenner for it. This weekend, though, is free. And with all due respect to everybody else that's in any of these fights uh, in the semi-final of the World Boxing Super Series, you're going to see the best cruiserweight on the planet do his thing. And fair play, you are going to see um, another champion as well, because that's the best thing about the cruiserweights. All the champions now in the semi-final, all the belts are there. You're going to see a bit of a unification fight this weekend. Alexander Usyk. Check this kid out. He is a joke. His footwork is that of a middleweight. He punches like a heavyweight. He yep. is outstanding. Go and check him out this weekend in the World Boxing Super Series. He's taking on Marius Bredis. Um, it's in Latvia uh, this weekend, isn't it? Which is a little bit of a Bredis's, travel. Both Bredis' yeah, home, he's having to home travel. comforts. Usyk is the aware fighter, but mm. I fully anticipate him to come through. And I, Listen. What are you going for? What's your prediction? He's going to stop him. He'll stop him within nine. I think he'll stop him around about seven, eight, nine, something like that. Yep. I'll agree with seven, eight, nine stoppage, but this is what I'm going to say is Bredis will win the first two rounds. I think Breedis will start brightly, lifted by the crowd. Usyk will give him a couple of rounds, let him empty the tank. I expect Breedis to have his tail up after about two, three, maybe even four rounds. Mm. You think, uh-oh, is Usyk all that? Is Usyk really this good? Of course good? he's all that. He's and then playing. suddenly Usyk will go, like Mayweather against uh, against McGregor. Round four, five. Okay, so time for third gear now. Sorry, Latvian fans, get back in your seats. Go for a coffee. Your champion's about to be knocked out, knocked spark out. Mm. I think that's how it's going to play out. Um, so don't get, don't panic if you think, oh my, what are the lads on about this? We, they've been tol- telling us about this. Alexander Usyk being the future of this cru- cruiserweight division, a, a future rival of Anthony Joshua up at heavyweight. He's three rounds down against Breedus out in Latvia. Calm down. The, mon- the machine is coming. And you're right, Usyk moves, punches, operates like a middleweight. Um, and, he, and he's going to stamp his authority on this whole tournament on Saturday night. I can't wait for it, to be honest. I'm kind of devastated we're going to be live on it. You do realise we're going to be live on air basically going, ooh, ah, ooh, why we, fight. Why, what are you going to be doing? We'll yeah. have to fight on. We don't do none of that funny business whilst we're <laughs> bloody doing the radio show, Sunshine. But the fight will be on in the background, no question about it. Uh, just check these records out, by the way, because everybody that is in uh, the World Boxing Super Series semi-finals oh, and the Cruiserweights, yes. everybody's undefeated. So you've got Alexander Huzik, uh, 13 fights, 13 wins, 11, by the way, a knockout. Manish Bredis, uh, 23 fights, 23 wins, 18, by the way, a knockout. Somebody, somebody's always got to go. And <laughs> Absolutely. Some, that's what Jimmy Lennon Jr. will be shouting anyway at the yeah. start of that fight. And somebody's going over. It's not going 12. Absolutely, yeah. And I can, I can you know... Having said that, though, I said that uh, Ngannou and Mihocic wouldn't go 25 uh, at the weekend. No. We'll get to that on our UFC show. 
so anything can happen, but I would anticipate that there will be a stoppage in there. These guys hit too hard. Don't for forget, we've got the, the other Cruiserweight semi final a week after, and both of those guys are undefeated with knockout winning records as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it's frightening. The last, these are genuinely the best four Cruiserweights on the planet we've got left in this tournament. I think Usyk, as I say, stamps his authority Saturday night and looks ahead to the the, uh, the final probably around April, May time. And then next week we walk into you know the other semi-final and uh, the chance to fight Usyk in the final. Oof, that's, that can't be tempting, that can it? The other semi-final, by the way, between Gassiev and Dotikos. Dotikos that's is- Russia, isn't it? Is it Minsk? Uh, is it the Ice Palace in Minsk or somewhere in it Russia? Is I think it, it is. The Ice Dome in Sochi. There we go. Oh, ahead of the Winter Olympics, there of course. Go. There you go. Uh, Doherty Kost has had 22 fights, 22 wins, 21, by the way, of knockout. Insane. Absolutely insane. And the one uh, that went the distance was a six rounder. <laughs> and I bet you the guy was hanging on like grim death as well. Uh, Gassiev's not muggy. I think he's a better boxer, Gassiev. It's going to yeah. be a cracking knockout, that. Um, looking forward to it but let's not get too carried away Alexander Usyk Marius Bred is this weekend free ITV box office channel right I know that sounds like it's going to charge you but it's the ITV box office channel absolutely free tune in Um, if you're listening to our radio show by the way 10 o'clock Saturday night don't expect much because we'll be watching it as well (laughs) but hopefully it's an early knockout so we can crack out with the majority of our rhetoric Uh, thank you very much for listening to us it's been an absolute pleasure you can get us on iTunes. You can also get us uh, via our website, fightdisciples.com. We're all over social media this week as well. At Fight Disciples uh, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. I put a lovely Instagram post up this morning of Nigel Ben. Oh, his birthday today, of course. Nigel Ben's birthday, the Dark Destroyer, two-weight yeah. world champion. Where do you rank him amongst... What, would you class, I'd class him as a... Middleweight. Super, would you class him as a middleweight or super middleweight? I'd class him as a middleweight. Would you? I think, yeah. Um <sighs> In terms of the UK or British fighters, he's got to be right up there, hasn't he? Top five, got to be right up there. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Certainly in terms of entertainment, he was absolutely brilliant. And he's one of the reasons that in the 1990s you fall in love with boxing. Absolutely, because well, you know he's putting it all. That on. was the first. Well, I've told this story before. That was the first big fight my dad took me to was Old Trafford, <coughs> Castle Grayskull for Ben versus Eubank. It was a draw. What a debut that and is! Absolutely, what fa- a I've, debut I've that been is! To, I've been to small hall shows before. I've been to see ABA championships. My cousin had boxed in ABA, so I've been to tournaments. I've been around boxing on TV. Mm. But my dad took me, as I say, to Castle Grayskull to watch that fight, and that was it. Walked out of there and was like, "Fucking hell, that's a bit of me, that." I'm having a bit of that. <laughs> there you go. Happy birthday to the Dark Destroyer this week. Um, it's also, by the way, also the anniversary of that brilliant press conference between Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson when he bit his leg. Oh, I love that one. We're, we're both on the spotlights. Yeah. It's, the, it's on press conference. Yeah. And then both, and then suddenly Mike steps out of the spotlight and yeah. there's that split second where you're like, where's he gone? Yeah. Is, he, is he actually walking to what? And then suddenly Lennox like semi-steps out of his spotlight and mm. there's just chaos. I put it on our... It's uh, like a chunk out of a sty. I put it on our uh, Facebook. I apologise for... Uh, all the F's and Jeff's of Mike Tyson as he stands on the stage and calls out the hall of the press pit. Yeah. Is that the eat my, I'll eat your children? Yeah. Shout. Yeah. And he, something yeah. about doing somebody up the arse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mike. Oh, Mike. Crazy. Anyway. Crazy all, old Mike. It's all on our, uh, on our social media this week at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.